0: Hello. Well, it's great to be here. Why don't we give it up for the worship band? Didn't they do great? Well done. Thank you. Now, yeah. yeah, please take a seat. I'm a bit of a shorty, so it's it's easier for me to see you if you're all sitting. Thank you so much, Sandy. When I met Sandy before, I saw the um, surname on her name tag, and I was like, "Are you mother of Michael?" Uh, Because Michael came and was a part of our church when he was down at uni in Brisbane. So it's it's a small world, isn't it? And it's a smaller world in the family of faith. So it's a delight to be with you this weekend. As Sandy said, um, I was a pastor on staff at Nexus. So I was on staff at Nexus, which used to be Northside Christian Church, where John Lewis was a senior pastor. And he's coming to this church at the end of this month. So I was on staff there for about 16 years, about 14 of them as a pastor. I'm still a credentialed pastor with the Australian Christian Churches and I'm an elder at our church and involved with a few different things. there. still on the preaching team. I'm preaching there tomorrow night actually. Um, so I love that church. I've been there most of my life and have seen a few changes. My current role, I'm the CEO of... Uh, ...a private health and wellness retreat called The Banyans... ...and it's for particularly for professionals or public figures... ...who've been experiencing mental health concerns or substance misuse... ...whether that's alcohol or prescription drugs or illicit drugs. And we help people basically get their life together again. And so it's um, fairly new. I was started in that role on the 7th of December last year... ...and my first day was me and the two company directors... ...sitting around a table going okay, so what's this going to look like? And then just seeing God bring teams of people together. It's a Christian-based organisation. It's actually a social enterprise. So half our profit goes to a Christian charity in Perth. ...who works with drug and alcohol recovery. So, that's a big tick for me. I love um, social enterprise. One of the things I've done previously was also running a charity for our church. So, life has been a very unexpected journey for me. Um, It certainly hasn't turned out the way I thought it was going to... ...and probably 99.9% of the people sitting in this place can say that's my story too, Ruth. Uh, I certainly never intended doing any of the things that I've ended up doing. I was never going to be a pastor... Um, I was never going – I have been writing social commentary for the Courier-Mail for about eight or nine years, not doing that at the moment, but writing commentary from a Christian perspective but to a mainstream audience. Um, I certainly never expected to run a charity or to be an advocate for women or children and speak out against the sexualisation of society. I ended up volunteering with Red Frogs for about ten years. Who knows Red Frogs? Yes, yep. Uh, and did their national media strategies for a few years and also helped with media strategies when Scripture Union Queensland got taken to the High Court about their chaplaincy program. The first time um, I went and helped them with their media strategies. I ended up um, as the Chief of Staff to the Speaker at Queensland Parliament under the previous government, never expected to do that. Ended up project directing the G20 Leaders Retreat at the parliament and got to meet all of the leaders. Never expected to do that. Um, Following God is never boring and you never know what's around the corner. Uh, I love the theme of this weekend which is she is confident and when Michelle and I were chatting and she was telling me about the theme of it, I had a little bit of a laugh to myself on the inside because I thought, wow... Um, I'm the girl least likely to speak about this um, because I have been the girl least likely to do any of the things that I've ever done. I was the shy, insecure girl who never really wanted to talk to anybody, who was um, so incapable of recognising any value that I had in myself. And so to be speaking at She is Confident is just this incredible God story. And I want to share some of that with you in this first session this morning. And let me encourage you, if God can use me, he can truly use anybody. Um, So we're going to look a little bit at how God takes our weaknesses and how he makes his strength perfect in the midst of those weaknesses. And in fact, having those weaknesses is a wonderful thing because God's strength can't be made perfect if we feel like we don't need his strength at all. And because we overcome, not just with the blood of the lamb, but the word of our testimony, I'm going to share some of my testimony with you this morning. Um, because he really does take the weak things of the world and he uses them for his glory. And God is the master at taking the girl least likely and sending her into all sorts of places to do things for him. So, I left school um, probably just wanting to make a lot of money, to be honest. I was going to be a corporate lawyer because then I didn't have to deal with people. But... Um, until one night I was volunteering at youth and I was on the youth leadership team and it was the prayer meeting before the meeting started and I realised I had never actually asked God what he wanted me to do so I thought it was probably the you know that's the done thing you should at least ask God so I was like God if there's something you want me to do tell me and then dangerous prayer hey <laughs> that night um, a couple of girls turned up to youth and they had been drinking and Um, ...got very drunk, vomited all over themselves, And so I took them down to the toilets... ...and I was cleaning them up... ...and cleaning the vomit off their shirt and out of their hair. And they were telling their story... ...and um, one of the girls was just sobbing through telling how... um, ...you know, her dad never said he loved her. He would give her $50 whenever she did well at school. But all she really wanted was some love and affection. And so I'm cleaning this vomit out... ...and I just heard God say this is what I want you to do with your life. Now, I hate vomit. (laughs) I'm like, really? Um, Thankfully, though, he wasn't literally saying, I want you to clean vomit up every day for the rest of your life. But he was saying, I want you to serve people, Ruth. And I want you to serve broken, hurting people. So I had a little bit of a change course. um, Went and started volunteering at church for sort of half the week and then doing Bible college as well. So then... At the church, I was interning, I was doing Bible college. Then I went and was um, personal assistant for Pastor John Lewis for a few years, which if you know Pastor John Lewis, that's quite a character-forming experience. Uh, And you watch someone learn how to eat a lot of food really well. Still loves his food. Uh, Then I was the creative ministries pastor for about seven years, which was um, an incredible opportunity and a real leadership stretch because I didn't play an instrument Um, So, I was a singer, but I didn't play an instrument. I had to lead all these musicians and dancers and artists and all kinds of things. Uh, Then I was communications director and then community engagement. We started up um, a charity. I went in and did a bit of a review of the charity that had been running. And um, we we work a lot in the area of food insecurity, but then we launched the charity just as the Brisbane floods hit in 2011. So, suddenly we had to learn... Okay, how do we do flood response and flood recovery? So we coordinated about 500 volunteers through our church, working with some of the local councils and were able to help out for about six months there. Um, And I'll outline the next few steps about how I ended up at Parliament in session two. But needless to say, it was a very, very interesting journey and continues to surprise me to this day, actually. But it all started in Japan. So, while I've spent most of my life in Brisbane, I have done actually quite a few holidays up at Huendon because I had family up in Huendon and Townsville married a North Queensland man because North Queensland men are good men. Um, So, I've done lots of trips up to Townsville, still have family there. Um, But I was born in Japan. So, my parents were missionaries in Japan and they were there for about three years. Um, I don't remember a lot of Japan because I was seven months old when I left. Um, it was, I was the first foreign baby born in the hospital there. So I was the one with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, which was completely different to ever, anything they'd ever seen before. And I was quite a star, apparently. Um, but so my parents were over there. My father had not long been saved before he went to Bible college. It was the crazy 70s. Who was around in the crazy 70s with what God was doing in the church? So he got saved. He went off to Bible college. He met my mum. Six weeks later, they got engaged. Six weeks later, they got married. They spent their honeymoon driving around Queensland saying goodbye to people and flew to a strange country with a very small Christian population, not really knowing the language and not really having very much money. Needless to say, there were a few challenges that they hit. And um, after three years, they came back to Brisbane. At that point, my dad actually walked away from God. So for the next 16 years, my mum took me and later my sister to church every week Uh, without him and he walked further and further away from God over that next 16 years and so he obviously had all his own things that he was working through and every parent I think loves their child and every parent loves them and raises them the best way they know how but every person also has their own sense of brokenness and we can communicate a lot to the people around about us through our brokenness when we don't let God come and heal that. And so, needless to say, my family situation and home life was complicated. And I won't go into all of the complexities of that, but one of the things I did learn very early on was a fairly profound sense of rejection. And um, there's memories that you have which, looking back in isolation, they can look a little bit silly, but it gives you a bit of a picture of some of the tapestry of what I was learning about myself. So, there are a couple of different craft projects that we did at home. Did anyone ever do one of those activities where you mix the plaster together and pour it into a cast and then you take it out and you paint it? So, I had a Peter Rabbit, one of them, to do. Uh, and so, we, it, we waited for it to dry and then we took the cast off and then we were going to paint it so it looked like what it should look like on the box. And when I say we painted it, what I actually mean is that Dad painted it. Because I wasn't going to be able to do it as well as what needed to be done to look like the picture that it should look like. So, Dad just took over. And I sat there watching Dad do it, and with my heart hearing, Well, you don't really measure up, Ruth. You're not going to be able to do this quite well enough. You're not really good enough. The same thing actually happened with a plate for Junior Girl Guides. We all got this stencil that we had to draw onto and then it gets transferred onto a plate so you can have your own designed plate. Well, you probably know where this is going. Um, Dad actually ended up doing the design and transferring onto the plate and my plate was something that someone else had done, my dad, because I wasn't really good enough and I was going to mess it up and I didn't really measure up. And, you know, my father did an excellent job ...at making my plate. But when you're seven... ...you listen with your heart. Not even necessarily the words... ...but you listen with your heart. And what my heart was telling me... ...was that you don't measure up. You're not good enough. And... ...you hear rejection. You don't measure up. My father often actually ate dinner in his office. So we would sit um at home at the dinner dinner table dinner was ready and we were all waiting mum me and my sister waiting for dad to come down from the home office to have dinner with us and most of the time one of us ended up taking his dinner and we'd knock on the door and he'd open it take the dinner and he would eat in his office and as the door closed what you felt was I'm closing you out you're not worth being with not good enough as I said, you don't even have to listen to the words that are communicated to... ...because your heart listens to what's happening around about you. And so, perhaps unsurprisingly, my sense of self and value continued to shrivel. And by the time I was in high school, I would walk from class to class... ...and I would just be wanting i would just be looking at the ground... ...because I didn't really want to catch anyone's eye... ...because if I caught someone's eye, I would have to talk to them... And if I had to talk to them, well, I knew that I didn't really have anything worth saying. So, I felt like I would be being exposed again to being rejected. And so, I would just walk from class to class looking at the ground. I had a few close friends, but certainly the whole idea of interacting with more people was thoroughly overwhelming. Because I didn't really think I had anything to say or anything to offer that was of any worth... And while that has certainly been my story, I know that it's probably a story shared by a lot of you sitting here today Um, because most of us have experienced some kind of rejection in our life. It could be a parent. It could be a parent that left. Maybe you never even met them. Um, It could be a parent who stayed in the house but who was emotionally absent or or never really there for you the way that you needed them to be. It could be siblings who taunted you or, or... ...told you that um, you weren't good enough or siblings who were favoured over you... ...and you saw a brother or a sister getting all of the attention... ...or all of the praise or all of the acclaim... ...and you're staying there kind of in their shadow thinking... ...I don't quite measure up. Could be school experiences. School yards can be brutal, can't they? Um, I was talking to a young man just this week... ...and he's sort of getting towards, thankfully, the end of a 20-year drug habit... But he talked about his entry into that whole world was because he wasn't the kind of sporting ideal man in his boys' school. And so he said, So I made, I became popular by being the one who got access to alcohol. And he said, Alcohol led to something else, which led to something else, which led to something else. And there I am talking to a 35 year old man, and he's still feeling the pain. ...that he felt at 15 of not being good enough... ...of being rejected, of not feeling like he was really worth it... ...like he didn't measure up. And whenever we feel like that, we go to somewhere. We're not created to live in pain every moment of the day. And so when we experience pain, we always try and find a safe place. We always try and find somewhere that's going to take that pain away. And that's a natural reaction... And so we don't have to even judge ourselves or judge others when they're going somewhere to escape from the pain. But the good news is that there is somewhere to escape from that pain that is safe and is life-giving and doesn't just dull the pain or remove the pain temporarily but starts to actually come in and turn that pain into something beautiful. And we know that that's Jesus and the Spirit of God. So while I had made a decision to say yes to Jesus when I was about five, um, God turned up in my life in a big way in high school. So I went to a Christian high school. And um, sometimes that means that the kids are Christians and sometimes it means that the parents are Christians and are sending their kids to the Christian high school. Um, But um, there was a mixture of that in my grade. But God did something amazing. And he just turned up and he some students who had had an encounter with God started a lunchtime prayer meeting and it the Holy Spirit was just on it and it just started to grow and you know 15, 16, 17 year olds were encountering God in such a way it was kind of hard to get us back to class sometimes and that wasn't just because it was maths after lunch (laughs) but God just started doing something and moving and it was incredible and So I started going along and there there were several hundred students in these lunchtime prayer meetings and worship times. And in one of those lunchtime prayer meetings, I had an encounter with God that just shifted my life and my heart because I realised for the very first time, I heard God speak to me and I realised that God had not just been obligated to like me, but God had chosen me. God accepted me. God took pleasure in me. And that was so absolutely opposite to everything I had heard and learnt about myself before that. It actually, it took and rearranged both in an instant and over time my understanding of who I was and my identity. There's a passage in Ephesians and... uh, Ephesians is one of my favourite books in the Bible, particularly because of this season where God started reorienting my idea of identity. And it was this particular passage that I'm going to read out, which was the one that God highlighted to me that lunchtime. It's in Ephesians chapter 1 and it's verse 3 to 5. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Now, that last phrase, and it gave him great pleasure, to a 15-year-old girl who had heard with her heart that she didn't measure up, wasn't wanted, didn't. there was sort of no sense of relationship, That the God of the universe had loved me and chosen me. But that that gave him pleasure, that was absolutely revolutionary. That was revelation that shifted my heart, shifted my understanding. And as I said, in an instant and over time, um, that that whisper in that little chapel on the south side of Brisbane, when he whispered his pleasure, when I sensed the smile of God over my life just shifted something and I became aware that there was a smile of heaven that nothing that no person no word anything like that nothing could take that away and in fact the highest authority about who I was was God the highest authority about my value was the fact that Jesus Christ pursued me was the fact that Jesus Christ didn't just like want to add me to the list of Christians but that Jesus Christ took pleasure in me that he was pursuing me that he had always wanted to spend eternity with me and so that did obviously a revelation like that does a few things in your life so the first thing it does is really motivated me to recommit my life to him And as I said, you know, I'd asked Jesus into my heart when I was five, but had probably kept, had had not walked away from God, but just my relationship with God had stayed at a five-year-old's level of relationship. But suddenly this was, I'm making a decision as an adult. I'm choosing Jesus. I'm choosing to follow him. I'm choosing all in. I'm not choosing this is just a part of my life anymore. This is all of my life. You can have it all, Jesus. I didn't actually really think that you would want it because I didn't think there was a lot of value there. But suddenly I realized that everything has changed and I'm all yours. And because when we realize how much God loves us, we realize that there's nothing that we need to hold back. We hold back our life because we're scared of what's going to happen when we open it up to someone or scared what they're going to do with it if we can't trust them. But when we realise this incredible, good, kind, loving, trustworthy God um, desires us, it makes it so much easier to, to open up our heart and life and hand it over to him. And the second thing that it really did, apart from recommitting my, my life to him, was that it opened my eyes to the fact that so many of the negative messages I had believed about myself were in fact lies. They were just lies. There was nothing true about them at all. I received a revelation of Christ and who I was in him and the fact that he took great pleasure in adopting me. And that was a 180% turn. Instead of being someone who felt like I was never really accepted for who I was and who'd felt that constant sense of rejection, I realised I was completely accepted ...completely loved and very, very wanted. Very wanted. No doors being closed but doors being flung open. No fathers separating but father running towards. And so began this adventure of following Christ... ...and relearning who I was and relearning how wanted I was... You know, it's because of Christ that we're set free. It's because of Christ that we're set free of the pain and the shame that so easily entangles us. It's because of Christ and our faith in him that we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. See, she is confident is not some women being all confident and powerful and we're amazing, we can take on the world. She is confident is that, She's loved. She's wanted. She's accepted. And we don't have to be strong enough to be confident. We just have to be aware. The fact that we're loved. The fact that we're wanted. An incredible woman in our church, um, she's passed away now and she had... ...she and her husband have kind of spent their life having people live with them and counselling. And she said, I can always tell when women are being nourished in the important relationships in their life. Because she said there's something about the way a woman walks... ...there's something about the way a woman carries herself when she's being nourished in relationships. And whatever relationships we find ourselves in... ...sometimes we find ourselves in human relationships where they are not nourishing... And we find ourselves in human relationships where everything is being pulled out of us rather than being poured into us. And that can be a very difficult place. And, you know, certainly if you're in a relationship where there's danger or violence, you need to talk to someone. You need to talk to someone quickly about how to make yourself safe rather than being in that relationship. But regardless, the work relationships, the sibling relationships, the the family relationships, however hard they are, and however much they're pulling out of us, we always have a place where we can go. We always have a person we can go to who pours into us, who nourishes us, who nurtures us. And when we've been in that place and we've heard that whisper each and every day, that's the confidence that we can walk out in. We don't have to work up our confidence, we walk out of a confidence of knowing whose we are, of knowing how much he loves us, how much he accepts us. You now, here I am, um, a shy and insecure girl who has stood with prime ministers and presidents, who has stood with drug addicts and the doctors who treat them, who has stood with the heads of state And homeless people into situations that I would never have been able to if I had not encountered the love of God. And so sometimes people particularly, you know, I've got a photo of me with Obama. And so, yes, that's very exciting. I'm not going to lie. I was telling Michelle and James last night just about um, actually how friendly he was. Um, which was a really great leadership lesson to me too because I am no one I'm not even going to be able to vote for him. I couldn't then because he wasn't up for re-election, but I was an Aussie. And yet um, the dignity that he bestowed on me was quite amazing. And um, That's a great leadership lesson for all of us. It doesn't matter what someone can give us. Uh, it matters that they are a person. But all these situations that we walk into, all these situations where we go... What am I doing here? I can't do this. And this internal monologue that we have, I don't know. Maybe it's just me who has this internal monologue. Probably none of you ever do. <laughs> I can't do this. What am I doing? This is crazy. And that's why I laughed when Michelle told me what the, what the theme of this day is. She is confident. I'm like, seriously, you have no idea how funny that is. <laughs> God has a sense of humour. And God laughs with us when we go, God, I just realised even all this stuff you've told me, even the fact that you've given me your incredibly precious word that's got all these promises in and still I keep coming back to, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not brave enough, I'm not intelligent enough, I'm not enough. And he's like, you're more than enough. I love you. I want to be with you. We don't have to be anything. We just have to be with him. That's all he wants. And he takes us and he takes our weaknesses and he takes our insecurities and he takes all the pain that we have walked through because we live in a broken world and we rub up against one another and we are all broken and so we break other people sometimes in the way we rub up against them. And we have been dealt with poorly and unjustly and there is not until we get to heaven will we ever escape that but in the midst of that and as I've said caveats if you're in somewhere that's violent I'm not suggesting you stay there but in the midst of difficulties in the midst of challenges in the midst of the messages that you hear with your heart that other people or our culture tells us we come back Ephesians all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ and then if you do nothing else from this weekend can I encourage you memorize verse 4 and 5 even before he made the world God loved me and chose me in Christ, to be holy and without fault. Now, let's just take, as women, for a moment, let's just take that phrase, to be without fault. There are entire industries built on making us aware of our faults. There are entire industries built on us spending money because we feel faulty. But what the word of God and the truth says is that even before he made the world, God loved you, And chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So right now, the Father is looking at you, faultless. Just take a moment. Maybe just close your eyes. Just listen to the Father speak to you right now. Even before he made the world. God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Then he decided in advance to adopt you into your own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Just here the pleasure of God right now. Just sense the smile of heaven over your life. Just exchange the weariness for the pleasure. Exchange the, oh, I didn't quite make it to the he takes pleasure in me, to the "I'm disappointed with myself because of that," with "He takes great pleasure in me." The "Wow, that really hurt." And take it to him and let his love minister. We've been made new creations in him. He takes away the old and that old could be 10 years ago, could be 50 years ago, it could be yesterday. But he's continually making us a new creation. He's continually reteaching our heart what the highest authority is. The things our hearts have heard that didn't align with what God wanted us to hear. He's speaking a new message. He's singing a new song. It's a new encounter. Would our keyboard player be able to come? There's just... God just wants to do something in this moment. You don't normally do sort of altar calls and ministry times until much later in the day. But uh, every time that I was praying for you guys the last few days, I was... I had this picture, and I still actually don't understand it, but I changed what jewellery I was wearing because of it. (laughs) Um, Because I'd packed another couple of things. Um, And I just had this picture, and I didn't know what you would look like or what the building would look like or anything. But I was praying for you, and I would just see this, like, golden cloud over the top of you. Just this joy, just this golden cloud, quite yellow, like a happy yellow golden cloud. So I was like, I might just get my yellow jewellery and wear that because this always makes me feel happy. And I just, then when um, my husband and I were praying yesterday before I headed out to the airport, and he just had this picture of barren land. But as we started to walk through it, the water of God coming and starting to refresh. And so I'd like us just to take a moment now that we come and we bring all of our rejection and all of our pain and all of the messages that our heart has heard that we're not good enough and we do a bit of a divine exchange. And sometimes it can be a little bit confronting to acknowledge the things that have been there in our heart and sometimes that can actually hurt to go to that place and go, actually as I open up my heart here and I have to remember some of those messages, that's painful. That's painful. And that's okay. We're not called to be strong enough. We're called to be honest with him. And it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect and his grace is sufficient. So while it can be a little bit scary sometimes, I want you to know that you can trust God and you can trust the Holy Spirit in this moment. That as you come and you open up that heart and you give it to him, That he exchanges acceptance for rejection. That he exchanges strength and grace for weariness. That he exchanges relationship for isolation. And that he exchanges a safe place for pain and fear. So why don't you stand for a moment... Holy Spirit, we recognise that you are here. And Holy Spirit, you are here to give good gifts to your children. Holy Spirit, you are here and there is just a cloud of your glory. There is a cloud of your healing power. There is a cloud of love, a cloud of joy, a cloud of kindness that's just starting to come and rest on people right now. You never force yourself. You don't interrupt where you're not invited But Holy Spirit, for every woman right now who opens her heart and invites you in, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome your presence right now. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we bring our hearts before you. Come and search
1: them. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come and sing a new song
0: over every woman here.
1: Hallelujah Jesus Hallelujah the same is a call on your name is a call on your name as i call, on your name. As I call
0: right now is we're going to pray for one another. We're not going to have, um, I won't get people to come out the front, but there is um, God and gold in each of you. And I think this is the kind of message where to varying degrees, we all resonate with it. And if you don't feel comfortable being prayed for by someone, you just say to the person next to you, look, I'm, I'm just going to have my own time with God now. That's completely fine. But God's actually going to give you a a word of encouragement. So when we pray for one another, it's never about giving direction, but it's about blessing. And even as you just start to pray for the person who's next to you or behind you, however you want to break up, you might want to be in groups of three or four, and you're just praying for one another. Because it's not just that we're going to hear God smile over our life, but we're going to have a moment right now where we learn to communicate that smile to other people because you are called you're accepted you're without fault you're a minister you're someone who can go into situations and you can bring god into those situations and this is a safe place to do that right now and so i just want to ask you if if You are in a place where something I have said has stirred a lot of emotion and you'd like one of the pastors to pray for you. Perhaps come over here if you like. I just can't quite face um, praying for someone else at the moment. I just need someone to spend a bit of time with me. I'll invite you to just come over here and one of the pastors can be praying with you and can do that and we'll love you and we'll give you lots of of, um, encouragement and lots of care and lots of love. But otherwise what I'd love is for us to minister to one another right now and just to start to speak the messages of God over each other, the heart of God. So it is as simple as so if I was praying for Sandy right now, it's as simple as this. Father, wow, you love Sandy so much. Thank you that the smile of heaven is over her life. Thank you that even before the world began, you loved her. And you chose her in Christ to be holy and without fault in your eyes. And so, Father, I just bless that right now. Father, I see her standing faultless before your throne. I see just your love for her. I see you reaching out. I see you walking towards her with your arms wide open. And, Father, I just bless what you're doing in and through her life. Father I thank you for a woman who has always been someone who has prayed and loved other people. And Father I thank you and I bless her in her life and Father even the times where she hasn't seen the fruit and it's been hard and difficult. Father I pray that you would send your rain right now into those difficult situations she's praying about. Father that she would see some fruit that she will see some fruitfulness soon. And, Father, that her heart won't grow weary in doing good, but that she will know at the right time she will see a harvest. Amen. Amen. And It doesn't have to be as long as that. I just just couldn't stop praying once I started praying for this wonderful woman. And all I know is she's Michael's mum. So I hope that was a blessing. Um, So it can be a lot shorter than that. Why don't we just take a moment now, whether it's someone next to you or across the aisle or behind... Just pray a prayer of blessing on them. Just starting to pray God's words. It can be as short as a sentence or it can be as long as a paragraph.